0: Your ability to get addicted to social media is related to your escapism, what you are running from in your actual life, because the more you don't want to face that, the easier it is to pick up your phone. And that dopamine rush hits, and that's another round of addiction. So, yeah. Hello there, Shakers. Welcome to another episode of MindShack Podcast. This podcast has been developing and growing beyond our expectations.
1: We would really love to thank you. That's all. And we hope you enjoy today's video. Hello. Hello. Greetings, Dumalang Jambo. My name is Jean-Claude, aka JC. Welcome to season four of the MindShack podcast. we a Gen Z podcast that focuses on discussing societal issues, entrepreneurial leadership, culture and borders on topics in psychology for Africans. All we do is shake out the cobwebs on the social issues we see in the world today, and we do it the African way. So we often speak about Black Twitter jokingly, but do we know the effects of social media? Do we know the effects of um, Facebook? Do we know the effects of um, Instagram or YouTube on a daily basis? The Economist com the website did a study that showed that although social media platforms have a positive effect on users in terms of self-expression, awareness of people's health and self-identity, it can also affect one's body image, sleep patterns and can even be a result in depression and anxiety. So when you speak how to speak in mental health being lost. Whether we recognize it or not, social media plays a large part in how we view our environment and we can even be used to push agendas. With all this considered, does social media make us crazy? This this topic is a conversation where we're discussing the mental health in the digital age that we live in today. So I have a personal story I'll quickly start off with. On the 4th of October, Facebook went down, right? I think uh, People might remember that that was my first experience of a platform of that scale going down and affecting other platforms. WhatsApp was down as well. My experience of it was, although it was an opportunity to just like refresh and look into my family members' eyes and my sister and brother's eyes, it also brought the realization that there are connections beyond that, that the apps and platforms that we use established and pretty much allowed to be one of the main means for communication. So for that time when it was down, it felt like um felt like the signs, the signs within scripture of the end of days. <laughs> it was a sad time, to be honest. I felt as though I lost a lot of connection and people around me. And I feel like in some way people might have noticed that. It's again a conversation of pros and cons of social media. That's pretty much what we'll dive into in this discussion. So in order to do this, I've got someone who is um, learned and uh, an expert in this area. This is uh, the founder and cognitive psychologist of space, Safe Space. This is an entity dedicated to seeing Africa's potential realized by focusing on three key areas, gender equality, mental health, and access to health information. Um, I have a lady by the name who, uh, by the name Araika, who is a published researcher, In the 2017 CHI Conference Extended Abstracts on Human Factors in Computing Systems, that is a published project she worked on, her research interests lie in marrying psychology with technology and business to find impactful solutions for mental health, gender equality, and poverty in Africa. She's also also part of our podcast sometime before, a similar-ish podcast she was telling me about, was called Kanga Tales podcast and basically is one of the youngest board members of the Insurance Group of Tanzania. This is Araika. Araika, um, welcome. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. It's just a good start to the day, I think.
1: Now awesome, awesome. Why did you decide to join us for this conversation?
0: I, I mean, at Safe Space, we really focus on having conversations because that's like that—that's the start of any change, right? And. In, Afri- in the African setting, there's not a lot of conversations like this that can maybe reach more people that are coming from Africans. Like it's usually, you know, someone else discussing us, someone else, you know, writing our narrative. And so I really have a passion for being the center of our own narrative and uh, yeah. That's why I'm here. Really
1: interesting, really interesting. Then, you know, this is going to feel like an interview, but I want to progress with that, like safe space and knowing more. Of it. So, Can you talk more about some of the work you do and why you feel it's important to safe space as the founder? Uh,
0: yeah. So, safe. I mean, again, I think this will go very much back to the theme of, of just even your podcast. And that is, you know, I, I graduated, came back home um, with like degrees in psychology. No one would hire me. Obviously, because at the time no one knew what psychology was. It was like saying, I don't know, you study art and then you want to work in a bank, and then people didn't understand. So I thought, you know, I'm going to start my own thing. And it started slow in 2017, but it's now, you know, evolved into like a team of different psychologists across Africa who do virtual therapy. Um, who do group sessions, who design workshops for groups and companies. Um, And then beyond them, just the mental health part, uh, there's a lot of research that we get involved in and work with um, the UN and NGOs. And so this would be maybe like improving implementation of their existing projects and why they're not working, like going with a different analytical eye and saying, you know these are people who've existed in this space and they can come up with their own solutions so you can you know work with us to bring you those intuitive solutions versus you designing them on your own and then them not working so it's a mix of different things and then that's where gender equality and the you know alleviation of poverty comes in but ultimately first things first i'm <laughs> i'm a therapist However, my own personal interest with technology is because my specialty within cognitive psych was human factors in computing systems. And that is, how do human beings interact with computers? Right? So, um, th- there is a wealth of knowledge in there that we just don't know, in um, why the digital world can evolve to the level that it has evolved, right? Was it the computer or was it the human? There's just so many things like who, was it the person behind the social media company who created this monster? Was it the users who created it? So there, there, there's a lot there and that, that's an area that's my own personal interest and I write research papers.
1: Okay, so to clarify, does space Safe Space, is it that project that you started to marry the two between technology and psychology, or is this sort of two-standing areas that you have passion for?
0: I think because human-computer interaction is its own industry, mm. right? It already exists, okay. so I'm not going to take credit to say I married the two with safe ways. Um, mm. I just it gave me a platform to be able to do that because mm. as my like my own person just talking about this stuff, it's like, well, who are you? But now with it that, you know, I founded this organization that does a lot of work with psychology, but then it's also online, I somehow get a lot of opportunities around technology or to work with tech companies and and such, where it's like, okay, we're experiencing this kind of an issue that's actually not tech related. And usually in the team, there would be a lot of like, why do we have to bring a psychologist in? (laughs) But Mm. I I think before long, it becomes very clear how when something's not usable, obviously. (laughs) No matter how great your design was when you sat down, it's not going to work. And it's the same. Um, it's the same idea in research, like for development as well. It may not even involve yeah. technology. So yeah.
1: Okay, makes a lot of sense. I think uh, we can dive right in, right? I think you've set the foundation for this conversation. The first thing, definitely, we just want to get your insights on based on that, like foreground, like that background about you, is is your depi- your understanding of the depiction of people's lives through social media just your take just to set the foundation of the conversation what, what's your take of uh, the depiction of the lives healthy or unhealthy that people live through social media
0: um I think that and I won't blame social media for this right I think this is truly a human thing I think it's very unhealthy, the way that our lives are depicted on social media, because obviously we only see the very small, beautiful, decorated percentage of your actual life. Now, that's not the problem of social media, that's the problem of human nature and how our societies are designed and wired. I mean, that's not just today. People have been embellishing their looks for centuries, right? Like people can get, you know, and this can be tribal. This does not have to be about development. you can go to the deepest, deepest community in very far to reach areas, they do not have social media, but they do find a way to embellish their looks. In some kind of way, whether that's their hairstyle, whether that's some tribal tattoos right so it's like there, there's I don't think it's a social media issue, however. I think that the way that social media has evolved, starting with the people themselves, has now exaggerated the issue if that makes sense and that's because the company behind it still wants to make money so if all of you from the get-go are still putting nice pictures then you know we're going to create an algorithm some competition for how great you look and how much more you show up versus someone who doesn't look that great and that embellished so we're bringing back the magazine century right we're bringing all of that back when we used to read the magazines be like i really want to look like that person so it's not accurate a short and it's not healthy sorry a short response to your question but i don't think it's social media's fault
1: yeah that's um that's a, that's an interesting insight even if it wasn't social media there's a way there's a way our minds are wired to have this dopamine dopamine hit if you call it i guess if when when we have people around us and people view us in a way that's positive i think it just feels good to us so social media kind of amplifies that immediately. You can get that posted, and then people directly are showing you or telling you through that like yeah. or comments. I, I get it. That makes that makes it makes sense. It makes sense. I think then. I think then. Um, what about the conversation around around the relationship people should have with social media? Do you think Do you think people should be taking breaks from social media? Is it relative, subjective? So many layers to it. Like, what's just What's your, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think this is a, a very interesting question. I was thinking about it a lot, actually, because I have this conversation with my friends a lot and more so as we discuss the metaverse and what's coming in the future, you know, and that at some point in time, there is a child that's already born who from the moment they hit puberty and start forming an identity of their of themselves they do not have a concept of that outside technology right but that, that age is already here <laughs> that child is already born today who's going to be that person and maybe gen z still got a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of something that's you know outside technology but every other person born after there, there's no conversation that they understand themselves Beyond on social media. So I think that when we have this discussion of, okay, can we take breaks? That's I think a luxury we have today. I think 20 years from now, there's not gonna be that conversation. Can we take breaks from social media? That's going to be the reality that we exist in. The metaverse had already happened. It's just a matter of now, like making it so more, so whatever AI, blah, blah, but To answer your question, I think that the same way, we need to stop looking at social media as if it's some external thing that's beyond us anymore. And rather it's just a way of living at this point. How much do you do on your phone? And so if we're gonna talk about a conversation where we change its effect on us, then it's a matter of changing an entire societal structure rather than, how we interact with social media, right? So what are then going to be the reasons to log on to Twitter? What are the reasons to post something on Instagram versus should we take breaks from Instagram? That's soon going, not going to be a discussion at all, in my opinion, right?
1: This is a thank you. To you a mind shaker a listener of this episode we highly highly appreciate you joining in on all of these episodes if you can just take a second to share this link to someone to have them tap into these episodes that would be so highly appreciated you are the fuel to what we're doing here so please share the link please like please comment please subscribe or follow in whichever platform you're in and we will see you on the next episode as you continue to feel us through thank you What are the possibilities of that? Like, what what are the, what's, how possible is that reality where, for instance, organizations take the lead, organizations set the, set the, set the like precipice of how we should engage with these digital medias and things of that nature, especially because they're the one that created it. And they're the ones that have created the web three of it, which is the direction that is going to be a direction where people might might be eating food digitally and forget to eat food in real life.
0: I think that, you know, and, and when I said it's a luxury, I, I didn't mean in the sense that it won't be much of a choice, but there are also real world problems that we cannot ignore that would push a lot of people to actually want to exist in this world. Right, like for example, food is a a major problem within the next 10 years, not even, we're not talking 50, we're not talking a hundred years. By 2030, there's going to be thousands of people who starve because we've outgrown our food supply and the efficiency of how we produce food, for example. So it's going to make sense to have a technology where someone can get the nutrients they need, whether it's to a blob of jelly, but believe they're having a delicious burger (laughs) because they're not going to be able to access that in real life. But going back to the organization, again, we can't blame the organization. I never see where the blame is. They created something that took off, right? And now it's evolving into all these other things, but they didn't do that work on their own. You did that work with them. You helped it become what it is today, otherwise we would have never gotten here. So this is just a natural evolution of the human life and whether that's our downfall or not, We don't know, but we're going to evolve into it. And at this point, it's not going to come to a question of maybe one person saying, I don't want to be a part of this because we're already using Zoom, right? So your university closes says, you know, you can't come in person. You have to go back home. And because we're going to be using Zoom to to take your classes, you can't be like, I'm not going to use Zoom. So that's today. That's 2020. (laughs) 2030, it's going to be some other. I don't know, Holocaust, I don't know, something that you whatever come into. (laughs) I don't even know, I'm a millennial now. I feel like I'm already past (laughs) the new tech, but it's like, it's gonna be something else. And that's gonna be the reality because a office tells you, you know, that we're now moving from Slack to this other kind of technology where it's just gonna happen naturally. So I don't even know if I'm answering your question or I'm just talking (laughs) excited about the discussion.
1: Yeah, no, to a certain level, I think you you've definitely spoke on a key part. It, it just goes back to what you said earlier. Organizations created these platforms, and I liked what she said Where you said we worked together with these organizations to create new versions of what came out of it, and how we interact with the pl- platforms or opportunities they give through these platforms is not necessarily, it's not necessarily up to them um, um, and you know there is also the side of these platforms that they create there's a lot of psychology that's involved in 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 my understanding of the psychology of the platforms and um, basically them them having data to the level of understanding <laughs> a human being psychology and the way they act and behave, their time, their schedules, and all these things that map out a person's trends. So, what are what are you, that that thought just jumped into my mind before the question I was actually meant to ask you. So, this is the question I'm actually asking you now. What are your thoughts on that? What how could you speak on that on that side of things as well? Data and the effects of data.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, we're we're already in a world now where like data runs us in every single thing we do, like absolutely every single thing we do. And it's actually quite scary because we don't really know how much of the decisions we make are our own versus some little priming, unconscious thing that happened. I think there is a lot of ethical issues with that, right? A hundred percent. However, there is also a huge other side of the coin where Beyond like social media, data is what brings us quick results in health and and coming up with like, you know, new tools and new medication and new and Well, there's multiple problems with those industries in itself. But without that kind of data, we're at a space now for the first time in human history that we can accurately predict big shifts in the future which is something we could have never done before, right? So I think there's two sides of the coin with anything because it's a tool and it depends on how you use it. Now, is the problem the data? Is the problem the for-profit organizations who use that data to sell to advertisers and make unimaginable amounts of money? That's the problem, not the data itself because the data can be used either way but for good, right? The data can be used to know how many people, first of all, are still not connected to the internet when it should be a human right by now, right? The data can be used to know about, you know, we just had a pandemic. How how is it affecting some certain developing countries? For instance, in Africa, I know I'm I'm from Tanzania and we had a very different response to the pandemic and weren't even reporting anything. And there's a lot of like, there's a wealth of data that we missed out on in terms of like, we can't even accurately say what it is that actually happened. Like there were waves, but then we never went into quarantine. But if we did collect that data, it could have been used in a positive way. It could have been used in a negative way. So in conclusion, <laughs> rather than that, don't keep talking. I think data, social media, every discussion we're talking about, every tech, there there's a good side to it and there's a bad side to it right we did like everything that happened in history wasn't actually created in the init- in initially to do something bad someone then came and thought hmm i could actually use this for something else so yeah
1: Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Then on that point, around the pandemic and the lockdown and things of that nature, I also opened up the story of the fourth of of uh, October and Facebook went down. Um, what do you think that revealed? What do you, you know, whether you're looking at it personally or just on a on a on a scope of you know, a more macro level, what what do you think that? Revealed of us, and then, and then not only that, but you know, the pandemic, the lockdowns, and then our relationship with social media. I imagine something is different, mm-hmm. or there could be a trend, or something to pick up from it.
0: Yeah, um, I think that <laughs> we're very hooked. <laughs> That's all it revealed is we have a problem. We're very hooked onto social media again. Not really the fault of social media itself, um, but the the fault of the world as it is. I, I, as a, I mean, personally, when Facebook went down, I wasn't that affected by like Facebook or Instagram. It was more so WhatsApp because I was like, (laughs) that's where all of my communication is. So all of a sudden I can't speak to anybody. That's a no-no, right? And then we have to just call each other on real phone. Um, it, It just felt so weird. But at the same time, there are other people who had like the most extreme reaction, almost similar to withdrawal, right, withdrawal from actual drugs, because there is not much difference in what, like, addiction does in your brain. Like, it doesn't depend what you are addicted to. (laughs) It has the same kind of effect on your reward pathway. And so when that thing is removed, you're you're still going to feel some level of withdrawal, obviously, depending on what you are addicted to, the level may change. But I think it, it really shows how Um, unhealthy, that relationship is. That, again, is not social media's fault, in my opinion, it is the people. So the fact that, you know, we can get so pulled into these, into our phones 24-7, and we don't do anything um, to try and actually fix our relationships in person, because all the validation I need comes from the likes and comments on my posts. You know, if I want to feel close with my friends, I haven't really talked to them for two months. But you know what, we have a meme group. So we're still so close, because we're sending each other memes all day long, right? But I don't really know anything that's going on in your life. So, you know, this this, the fact that as human beings, we can be so susceptible, so easily engulfed into something else and so easily shift something that's so essential into our being which is the social connection and shift it into technology that's our problem and we need to figure out how to fix that so you know if if it's you actually pushing yourself to have more physical connections that's a place to start, right? Like I said, the ability to step out of social media is gonna be something we can't do <laughs> very soon. But if you can still do it at this point, and if you can take breaks, I definitely take breaks. <laughs> I feel like I'm the most inconsistent poster, but that's also coming with getting older. <laughs> I used to be very consistent, so I won't blame anyone for like, you know, the difficulty to put your phone down, but it helps there's apps that help you do that, right? Let the digital world fight the digital world. (laughs) Download another app that stops you from using any of your apps until a certain time. There's just different methods, but I think that it's important to recognize that, well, like weed itself, for example, is just a grass. Social media itself is just a platform. Your ability to get addicted to social media is related to your escapism what you are running from in your actual life because the more you don't want to face that the easier it is to pick up your phone and that dopamine rush hits and that's another round of addiction so yeah that's what it okay be but,
1: like. <laughs> okay i'm with you so i mean on an individual level like it's it's i don't know it feels like it feels like um. If, if there's awareness that's growing, I guess, which is quite important, but I feel like awareness goes, only goes so far. It's a good foundation, but like some, some people probably just don't see it as a big problem. You know? Like people, people look at their trends and how they use social media and things of that nature and, and don't really see a problem. Don't really reflect or you know, notice that, that there's something that's wrong with this. They just use the platform. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of it on this point of how it takes an individual to take ownership of the way they use the platform, but also just how that impact can actually carry out on a larger level. Is that does that does that now come to people having more conversations, uh, whether it's posting on platforms, people trying to be more real, or I don't know if you follow me when I when I go about this this there isn't a direct question here, but it's more like <laughs> you just you just building on it, you just building on this area. There's there's so many, you know, when you think of it from an individual aspect, I feel like there sometimes there's gaps. There's gaps where people don't think the same. And because of that, the problem will almost always exist.
0: Right. I mean, we're we're now just touching on like behavior change and mm what you're asking is how can we change the behavior of a group, right? Where Mm. people have different opinions and different thoughts on something. And I mean, the the first thing you said, which I'm trying to remember right now, um, you said not a lot of people know, right? Because you can have that self awareness, but also to to accept mm. and be very aware that hey, I'm addicted to social media. But you know, the one thing I'll compare to is like if you're gonna talk to an alcoholic, they're not gonna be like, oh yeah, <laughs> I have a problem, right? It takes their world falling apart for them to finally be forced into maybe rehab or to whatever else um, help method there is. So it's the exact same. And I think that the problem with being addicted that people have to recognize is you're addicted to what feels good. If something felt bad, you would not be addicted to it. You would run away from it. And you know, if you want someone to move away from if I'm an addiction, you're not necessarily replacing the craving for wanting something that feels good. You're simply re- replacing that behavior that gives them mm. what feels good. Does that make sense? So you you know, yeah, so that you're still getting some level of that dopamine, that feel good hormone, because that those are the two drivers of human existence, running mm. from pain and running towards pleasure. There's no other thing. Everything has come from these two drivers. So mm. it's very, very important to recognize and accept that wanting to feel good, wanting to feel validated, wanting to feel relevant, is an important human need. It has you know it's not something to be ashamed of to to actually say, I'm, I mean, I love it when I get five hundred likes on my post or whatever. Like these are real human needs, the more you run away from sort of accepting that, the more there's shame around saying that. And then it's like, this is where the real thing comes where it's like, everyone wants to be real now, but really everyone secretly also wants the validation. And so that disconnect makes it harder to actually move past this problem versus everyone accepting that we're human beings and we like being liked. (laughs) We Mm. just like, Mm. that's how we are wired is to be liked. And the moment you accept that, the moment you, as a human, you can say that to yourself, I actually crave attention. I crave validation. It's immediately going to bring up why you look for it online because you lack it somewhere in your real life and it's immediately make you going to make you emotional and make you now want to realize why it's lacking in real life and how can you fix that. But the more we yeah. run away from that realization, the more we shut off this door. So I don't know if that's <laughs> helping mm. but in, in terms of yeah the behavior change like more so you know putting this kind of information out there, having this kind of conversation. That's how you change things. Even if it takes one time, who then talks to their friend, who then, whatnot. But that—that's really it. Yeah,
1: that's that's really interesting, really insightful. So then, in closing, this is a question that hopefully you can also just like take things home on anything else that you feel like is an important area of of conversation here. But I wanna make it relative to Africa. The differences that we might be seeing within the context of this continent and our countries, opposed to opposed to anywhere else. What it is that that is important, at least for people that are like us to be considering when it comes to their mental health in the digital age.
0: Okay, the word that's just still sticking and the first one that came to my mind is um, vulnerability. and. I think I don't want to take too long with this, but I'm using this word because I think Africans today are the most self-aware, right? Or or, are the most rather, I don't know, technologically exposed, exposed to cultures in general. Um, But with that comes a sense of responsibility to recognize that we have been operating under a collective trauma for the longest time. And it, it has been very easy in in African and like generational evolution to pass on certain traumas, like this is just who we are, this is how we were raised. There's no explanation, there's no processing, <laughs> nothing. It's just like, this is how who we are, like this is where it came from, this is who we were, raised. you know, all of this. And I think it it we can find so much freedom and reach our truest potential if we can learn to be vulnerable because vulnerability is actually strength. It's actually recognizing that we are not in danger, that this historical trauma that has been passed along, we can let go and we are completely able and powerful enough and more so to build this life that we see, that we want, to have the advancement that we want, without maybe anyone's help or, you know, feeling like we need to be like secondhand or something, because that's again, a continuation of the trauma. So I'd say young Africans today learn to be vulnerable because there's a lot of release that comes and there's not a problem you ever go through that's just your own, especially now in the digital world, (laughs) especially now. It's crazy how so many people hold on to so much. And then one person, Post about something and I usually like to just see the comments and it's like 500 people around that person who are going through the same thing so it's like why were you all quiet like you know be vulnerable and you don't know how how many doors open for you once you let that weight go so that's I say one thing
1: yeah that's awesome that is awesome on an individual level I feel that's where that's where personally I've had the most impact on social media that is meaningful. And I have felt the most impact too on social media from other people as well. And um, yeah, I'm a person that's not really been on social media for reasons where I feel as though it's anything I'm putting out there is a, is a version of myself that I feel like someone else is taking something they shouldn't be taking from it or the wrong message is being sent. So that's why I've not been on it. And every time I've tried to be on it with a role. Level of like vulnerability, I've 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 felt that engagement and realness about what what what's being spoken about. That's that's an awesome point. It's really an awesome point. With that, Arika Arika, sorry, this has been a pleasure for conversation. I think I think the points you've touched on are really important points. Um, um, sometimes you know you record and then people afterwards, or you you know you you don't know how the conversation goes in the recording time but this has felt really good so i'm gonna assume someone at home has enjoyed this conversation um it's, it's been it's been good having you thank you so much for joining the conversation for those that are listening araika was sort of told on short notice and she was just like this important this conversation is important let's do this so yeah really really grateful for you joining us today
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And I'm so excited to actually listen to the episode and share it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So I think it goes without saying that social media, like everything else, requires a little bit of accountability, accountability, a little bit of ownership, responsibility from each and every one of us. Um, We learn that social media can be educational, can be positive. It's a platform that's just been created and how we use it is up to our own ownership and responsibility to take care of and also impact others in a positive way. And if that comes through being real, authentic and vulnerable and really trying to connect with people which the platform was created for, then that would be... That will be a means to, to to creating a more positive um, relationship and connection with the platform and the people that are on it. So as always, your experiences are not in vain, and they help to enrich and give the mind shakers a different um, perspective. So again, thank you, uh, Araika. Thank you to our mind shakers for listening to this episode on. Uh, mental health in the digital age please don't forget to follow us on social media and tell us your thoughts on this in the african context whatever it means to you most of all mindshakers we encourage you to go out there and share anything you might have learned from this episode as we all strive to learn together and boldly shake the world thank you so much
0: thank you thank you for listening through to the end if you've enjoyed this episode please like and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or all of them
1: there's going to be plenty of exciting episodes to come so if you want to catch that follow us on all social media platforms at mindshack podcast and of course follow us or subscribe to us on our youtube platform or our youtube channel at mindshack and of course see you on the next one